Hello, and welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe God works through people every day to help us. These people are selfless and so very humble. The majority of us don't even know they exist or existed. My name is Angel, and each podcast I will showcase one of these amazing people. Their stories will uplift, inspire, encourage, support, heal, and give you hope. Hello, everyone. How are you all doing? I so hope and pray you all are blessed. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you so much for coming back. At the end of each show, I always ask anyone who has any recommendations or suggestions to contact me and let me know. Well, I'm very happy to report that we have had someone contact me and request someone that we will be uh, sharing a little bit today. And it wasn't just anyone who made this request. It was actually my mother. So if mom asked you to do something, you should do it. So this week, we're going to be talking a little bit about Bernadette Subaros, also known as St. Bernadette. I briefly mentioned St. Bernadette in last week's podcast on Sri Ananda Maima. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, please go back and have a listen. It was a really good, really good show. Bernadette Subaros was born in Lourdes, France in January 7th, 1844. Her parents were very poor, and she was the first of nine children. She was baptized at St. Pierre's, the local parish church, on January 9th. As a toddler, Bernadette contracted cholera and suffered extreme asthma. Unfortunately, she lived the rest of her life in poor health. And as you will notice, this is a running theme with saints. Um, if you remember the St. Padre Pio podcast a few shows ago, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, Check it out. That was a great one as well. Um, they tend to be very ill and they suffer. You know, they're suffering souls. Um, so they tend to be plagued with illness and suffering throughout their life that they take on and, and dedicate that to um, help ease uh, the suffering of all beings. On Thursday, February 11th, 1858, 14-year-old Bernadette was sent with her younger sister and a friend to gather firewood when a very beautiful lady appeared to her above a rose bush in a grotto called Masabiel. The woman wore blue and white and smiled at Bernadette before making the sign of the cross with a rosary of ivory and gold. Bernadette fell to her knees, took out her own rosary, and began to pray. Bernadette later described the woman as a small, young lady. She believed she was between the ages of 16 and 17 years old. Though her sister and friend claimed they were unable to see her, Bernadette knew what she saw was real. Three days later, Bernadette, her sister Marie, and other girls returned to the grotto where Bernadette immediately knelt saying she could see the beautiful lady again. She fell into a trance, and one girl threw holy water at the niche, and the other threw a rock that shattered on the ground. It was then that the apparition disappeared. On February 18th, Bernadette said the vision asked her to return to the grotto each day. With each visit, Bernadette saw the Virgin Mary, and the period of daily visions became known as the Holy Fortnight. Now, please note at this time, 
Bernadette did not know who Mother Mary or Virgin Mary or the Blessed Mother was. She had not even seen a picture of the Blessed Mother because she was deprived of that because of her being ill all the time. She wasn't able to go to school as often as she should uh, or as often as others thought she should. And so um, the nun at the church would not allow her to have a card uh, of the Blessed Mother with the, with an image on it because she deemed um, Bernadette stupid and not educated enough or ready for such um, something like that. So again, keep this in mind going into this that she just kept, Bernadette kept referring to the Blessed Mother as the beautiful lady. She just kept referring to her that over because she had no other reference. She had no other point of reference or an image, so she had no idea who it was. I'm old, but I'm not that old. So I actually had to go back and look up what Fortnite meant, since it said it came to be known, these daily visions, as the holy fortnight, or as a holy fortnight. And a fortnight means two weeks, but these apparitions kept appearing more than just two weeks. The first apparition to Bernadette was on the 11th of February, and the last one was on the 16th of July in 1858. When Bernadette began to visit the grotto, her parents were embarrassed and attempted to stop her, but were unable to do so. On February 25th, Bernadette claimed to have had a life-changing vision. Now, one thing we have to keep in mind is that Lourdes was a very small farming town way back then so as anyone knows about small towns word travels fast uh, so these visions that Bernadette was having of course with other children being present they began to talk and tell so word traveled very quickly about these visions that Bernadette was having and it caused quite a stir not only in her community but in her county and it spread on and on and on all the way up to the Vatican. And we have to keep in mind that Bernadette was 14 years old when all this happened. Uh, again, she was unlearned. Um, so, you know, all this was quite overwhelming for her. And people were quite cruel back then as far as how they handled it. Um, there was a percentage of people that believed her and there was a percentage of people that did not believe her. So on that February 25th, the day that she claimed to have a life-changing vision, the vision had told Bernadette to drink of the water of the spring, to wash in it and eat the herb that grew there as an act of penance. The next day, the grotto's muddy waters had been cleared and fresh clear water flowed. On March 2nd, the 13th apparition, Bernadette told her family the lady said a chapel should be built and a procession formed. People laughed at her so much and ridiculed her and it wasn't just her, it was um, the government of her area and her community. Um, it, was, it was really bad. During the 16th vision, Bernadette claimed to have experienced for over an hour was on March 25th. Bernadette claimed she had asked the woman her name, but her question was only met with a smile. 
Bernadette asked again three more times, and finally the woman said, I am the Immaculate Conception. Again, Bernadette had no idea what that meant. And when she told people what the lady had told her and that she told her that, then people started, you know, putting it together that, you know, this was the Blessed Mother, this was the Virgin Mary uh, appearing to Bernadette. So again, that stirred up even more, you know, controversy over whether she was telling the truth or if she was making something up. Uh, but again, she was speaking and telling things that she did not know personally. Though many townspeople believed she had indeed been seeing the Holy Virgin, Bernadette's story created a division in her town. Many believed she was telling the truth, while others believed she had a mental illness and demanded she be put in a mental asylum. Some believed Bernadette's visions meant she needed to pray for penance. Church authorities and the French government rigorously interviewed uh, Bernadette, and by 1862, they confirmed she spoke the truth. Now, that's four years, because the first time she saw the lady was in 58, and they didn't approve this or authorize this or believe it to be the truth or publicize that it was the truth until four years later, and they rigorously grilled her time and time and time again. It's it's. It's terrible how how they treated her and how they pretty much tried to convince her that she was crazy and that she was making all this up and that it wasn't true. And time and time again, Bernadette told the story over those four years. Not one point of the story changed every time she told the same story over and over and over again for those entire four years. Since Bernadette first caused the spring to produce clean water, 69 people have been miraculously cured of their illnesses and ailments by the Lord's Medical Bureau and after what the church claimed were extremely rigorous scientific and medical examinations, no one was able to explain what caused the cures. The Lord's Commission that initially examined Bernadette ran an analysis on the water but were only able to determine it contained a high mineral content. Bernadette believed it was faith and prayer that was responsible for curing the sick. Bernadette asked a local priest to build a chapel at the site of her visions, and the sanctuary of Our Lady of Lourdes is now one of the major Catholic pilgrimage sites in the world. Many other chapels and churches have been built around it, including the Basilica of St. Pius X, which can accommodate 25,000 people and was dedicated by the future Pope John XXIII when he was the papal nuncio to France. Following the miracles and constructions, Bernadette decided she did not like the attention she was getting and went to the hospice school run by the Sisters of Charity of Nevers, where she was taught to read and write. Though she considered joining the Carmelites, her health was too fragile. On July 29, 1866, Bernadette took the religious habit of a postulant and joined the Sisters of Charity at their mother house at Nevers. Her mistress of novices was Sister Marie Therese Vazo, and the mother superior at the time was named Marie Bernadette in, order, in honor of her grandmother. 
Bernadette spent the rest of her life there working as an infirmary assistant and later as a sacristan, which that's a person that takes care of the church and is in charge of the sacred vessels and vestments. People admired her humility and spirit of sacrifice. Once a nun asked her if she had temptations of pride because she was favored by the Blessed Mother, to which Bernadette replied, How can I? She answered quickly. The Blessed Virgin chose me only because I was the most ignorant. Unfortunately, Bernadette was diagnosed with tuberculosis of the bone in her right knee and was unable to take part in convent life. She died in the Holy Cross Infirmary of the Convent of St. Gildard at the age of 35 on April 16, 1879, while praying the Holy Rosary. We have to remember that Bernadette not only suffered with the tuberculosis, but she, in her bones, if you could only imagine that, uh, she suffered with illness throughout her whole life. And not only that, she suffered persecution from friends, from people she didn't know, um, the constant torture of being questioned time and time again about what she saw and people trying to convince her that she was crazy. And, um, you know, they constantly said she was stupid uh, because she was not learned. And even on her deathbed, she suffered in severe pain and she kept proclaiming penance, penance, penance. All this is good for heaven. Bernadette's last words were, Blessed Mary, Mother of God, pray for me, a poor sinner, a poor sinner. So those of you who aren't familiar with St. Bernadette, you would think, well, that's the end of the story. Well, not really. The story continues. Um, the nuns of St. Gildard, with the support of the Bishop of Nevers, applied to civil authorities for permission to bury Bernadette's body in a small chapel dedicated to St. Joseph, which was within the confines of the convent. Now, remember, she wasn't just an ordinary person now who passed away. This is a person who had visions, 18 visions of um, the Blessed Mother, um, and it was finally confirmed in, in 1862 that these were true. So she was no longer just your average, everyday person. There were certain things that had to be done in order to, you know, properly bury her. Uh, there was paperwork, red tape, you know, all kinds of stuff. So permission was granted on April 25th, 1879 to bury Bernadette in the small chapel dedicated to St. Joseph. On April 30th, the local prefect pronounced her, his approval of the choice of the site of burial. So the government had to approve this as well as the church. Uh, on May 30th, 1879, Bernadette's coffin was transferred to the crypt of the chapel of St. Joseph, where a very simple ceremony was held to commemorate the event. Okay, so you would think, okay, that's the end of the story. <laughs> no, it continues. It, it goes on. 30 years later, on September 22nd, two doctors and a sister of the community exhumed Bernadette's body. They claimed the crucifix and rosary she carried had been oxidized and rusted, but her body remained incorrupt, which as we remember from Padre Pio, what incorrupt is. The incorruption was cited as one of the miracles supporting her canonization. 
The group washed and redressed Bernadette's body, then buried it in a new double casket. The church exhumed her body again on April 3rd of 1919. The doctor who examined her said the body is practically mummified, covered with patches of mildew and quite a notable layer of salts, which appear to be calcium salts. The skin has disappeared in some places, but it is still present on most parts of her body. So as you can only imagine, this is quite unusual. I mean, by that time, her body could should have been decomposed uh, down to bones and, and hair and, and, you know, and whatever. Uh, but that wasn't the case with Bernadette. In 1925, poor Bernadette's body was exhumed yet again. This time, relics were sent to the Rome and an imprint of her face was molded, which was used to create a wax mask to be placed on her body. There were also imprints on her hands to be used for the presentation of her body, which was placed in a gold and crystal reliquary in the chapel of St. Bernadette at the Mother House in Nevers. So in doing some digging and research on my own, I found out, you know, several articles and things saying that, you know, the one doctor in 1919 that found the patches of mildew um, on her face and, and her body, it's been said that the reason why that happened was because of when she was exhumed previously um, and they washed her body that caused that to happen. But I know everybody has different feelings on the incorrupt and all of that um, and, and on Catholicism itself. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't uh, really into Catholicism or believe in Catholicism. But again, this is open to your interpretation. But again, historically, Bernadette was a person. These things she saw were documented historically, proven as truth. Uh, so take with it as you wish. So the doctor that had been present in the exhuming in 1925 wrote an article in 1928. Uh, his name was Dr. Comte. He said in this article, because remember, it said that he took relics and sent them to the Vatican. It's one way, one of many ways that they canonize or make someone a saint. Um, they examine these things pieces of the body to, again, determine um, if the person is a saint, um, the incorruptibility of the person. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. He said that I would have liked to open the left side of her thorax to take the ribs as relics and then remove the heart, which I am certain must have survived. However, as the trunk was slightly supported on the left arm, it would have been rather difficult to try and get at heart at the heart without doing too much noticeable damage. So, of course, um, there are pictures online. Uh, I'll have a link in the description or show notes uh, so you can check them out. Um, again, if you just Google St. Bernadette, you're going to get tons of pictures of her uh, laying in state, which she still is today. Um, but the thing is, is she had her hands crossed across her, her chest. So, of course, 
in order for the doctor to, to move or take ribs or anything like that or get to her heart, he would have really had to disrupt her body. And, and nobody, nobody wanted that. And nobody should have done that. I mean, Bernadette had been through way, way, way too much in her, in her little lifetime to, to go through that. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But he was able to get some ribs. And he continues on by saying, as the mother superior had expressed a desire for the saint's heart to be kept together with the whole body, and Monsignor the bishop did not insist, I gave up the idea of opening the left side or left hand side of the thorax and contented myself with removing the two right ribs, which were more accessible. He continues by saying, What struck me during this exhumation, of course, was the state of perfect preservation of the skeleton, the fibrous tissues, and the muscles, which were still supple and firm, the ligaments and of the skin, and above all, the totally unexpected state of the liver after 46 years. One would have thought that this organ, the liver, which is basically soft and inclined to crumble, would have decomposed very rapidly or would have hardened to a chalky consistency. Yet, when it was cut, it was soft and almost normal in consistency. I pointed this out to those present, remarking that this did not seem to be a natural phenomena. St. Bernadette is often depicted in prayer with a rosary or appealing to the Holy Virgin. She was beatified in 1925 and canonized by Pope Pius XI on December 1933. St. Bernadette is the patroness of illness, people ridiculed for their piety, poverty, shepherds, shepherdesses, and Lord's France. St. Bernadette was truly an amazing being. See, you thought I was going to go a show without saying that, but nope. <laughs> she was truly an amazing being and continues to help and inspire so many people still today. There is a great movie, which my mother pointed out to me, which I got to see and I truly loved and I'd never even heard of it. It's called The Song of Bernadette. It's a movie from 1943. If you go on YouTube, you can find this movie and watch it for absolutely free. I'll make sure there's a link to the movie in the show notes so you can check it out. And I highly recommend it. It is a beautiful movie and it really shows... Um, Bernadette and all that she went through or as much as we could gather as she went through without being her. I mean, the, the poor, the poor girl, poor woman was just, you know, it was horrible. All the things that she went through. I mean, and again, it reflects back to us. Look at the things we go through in life. Could you only imagine um, having those visions and seeing what she saw and trying to tell people uh, what you saw to share with them, to help them and to be treated the way she was treated, it was, you know, it was truly terrible. I mean, of course, she's been canonized and she's a saint now, you know, which she never got to experience in her life, which I don't, you know, Bernadette wouldn't have never wanted that anyway. She was, you know, like all these saints, they're extremely humble people that put everything and everyone above and before them. And she, you know, well, like I said in the story, one of the reasons why she left Lourdes was because of all the attention. She got tired of all the attention. She didn't want that attention. She just wanted to be a person and to 
do things for God to help people um, and to serve. And, and, you know, she was, you know, blessings to the nuns that took her in. She was able to do that with the few years that she had remaining in her life. This week's song of the week is one I feel is very befitting of St. Bernadette and the suffering that she endured um, and through her entire life. The song is called If You Want Me To by Jenny Owens. And this is a special song because this was one of the favorite songs of Melissa Camp. Melissa was one of the first people that I showcased on the show um, back in episode two. So if you haven't listen to that one yet go back and check it out when melissa was suffering uh, from cancer this was one of her favorite songs that she listened to and jenny owens um, the singer and writer of this song is very special in her own right Um, she's blind and as always i will have a link to the song and a link to everything that we've discussed and shared in this show in the show notes so please feel free to check it out I'm always open to suggestions for the show, and you're always welcome to contact me. There's two ways you can do that. You can contact me through email at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach me through anchor.fm at anchor.fm slash faith dash and dash more. There's always links to these contacts in the description of each podcast. If you like the show, Be sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you really like the show, please feel free to share it with your friends. Thank you all so very much for tuning in and listening. I'm so looking forward to seeing you all again. But until then, lots of love and blessings to each of you. 